Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. All right, welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Andy Fish of Forge Golf and Fitness. Andy graduated uh, from Carroll University with a degree in psychology and has been a member of the PGA of America since 2004. Andy spent years as a golf professional at country clubs around the area, including Blue Mound Country Club, Bobolink Golf Club, Maple Bluff Golf Club, and Ozaki Country Club. Andy now operates Forge Golf and Fitness in Mequon with an indoor practice facility for instruction and club fitting, as well as a gym set up for performance training. Welcome to the show, Andy, and thank you for coming on. And thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Um, so for starters, what got you into golf and golf instruction? Oh, man. So uh, when I was, I, I've been playing since I've been six years old, played in high school, college, uh, D3 at Carroll University, and then kind of got into the business. And uh, from there, it took a, I really started to like the instruction aspect of it. So I taught a lot at all the clubs that I've been working at. And uh, now we've built a, a little place that I can keep teaching and, and keep moving on with uh, the instruction part of it. So what got me into it is just, it felt like it was making a biggest, the biggest difference for golfers, right? So I could do a lot of things in the golf industry, selling equipment, fitting, um, running tournaments and all that stuff. And it was all great. Um, but it just really felt like instruction was really moving the needle for, uh, for golfers. And, and I enjoyed that the most. That's awesome. Um, one of the things that I've noticed kind of, as we've talked in the past is that you take a very holistic approach to instruction and, um, you're really focused on helping players solve specific problems. Um, so can you talk about some common goals or problems that you see with, with players and work on? Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good question. Um, a lot of golfers, I think, come into it. Well, so I think as instructors, uh, on my side, we have a, a responsibility to, ask the golfer what their goals are, right? And, and I think we do that on a, on a surface level. We say, so what are your goals? And, and we'll hear a lot of times it's, oh, I want to break 80. I want to be more consistent. I want to be able to get the ball in the air. So it's pretty, uh, that's, that's pretty common stuff right there. But I think we, we uh, have a responsibility to ask a few more questions. If you can get a little, little deeper into the, the student, we can really find out, so what does consistency mean? Um, you might find out that they're just slicing it off the planet all day and they can't get the, the face squared up. Asking a few more questions will get you on the path of what their actual goals are. And I think that's, that kind of parallels with the, the fitness part of it, I would guess, on, on your side. Um, you, you really have to find out what their actual goal is and dig a little deeper. And then once you find it, then, then you basically give, give that to them. Um, as part of the fitness part of it, I think for me, I'd love to say, I'd love to say the instruction part is 50%, but I think I'd be a little bit uh, arrogant in saying that on my side. 
Um, the fitness part is, is so much more. And um, uh, the main thing that we have to uh, try to figure out as instructors, whether we're going to go through something or around something that's a blockage for a person. So I think that's why I've been doing it for, you know, the 20 years I've been teaching, I would say 15, 17 years of it has been working with uh, fitness professionals um, so that they can help me teach better. Yeah, that's awesome. That uh, that sort of um, leads into into uh, my next question. So with you kind of having your practice facility uh, in partnership with a fitness facility, and you're obviously talking to a physical therapist today, um, you know, it's obviously that you really kind of feel that the player's physical ability plays into their swing. Um, so from an instructor's perspective, how does how does a player's physical ability affect their progress or what you're able to address in a lesson? Um, it's, it's everything. Uh, if it's not on the table, I don't think you're doing your student um, any justice. Now, of, of course, I'm not going to pretend that you can't teach somebody and they can get better, right? Um, but if you're not taking into account how they can move or I'm just not smart enough to know that somebody's shoulder isn't working right and can they get better or not better. I just don't know. I just know that they're lifting the club or they're arching their back at the top of the swing and I need them to stop doing that. Or I need them to find a better way of producing or just uh, getting the club to the ball. And if we're in an inefficient position or an unathletic position, I want to get them back into an athletic position or at least an efficient position to get the club back to the ball. Now, I, I'm just not smart enough. I don't have the uh, education to be telling people what they can and can't do. Um, I just know it's an obstacle. So now I have a choice as an instructor to go around it or through it. And I found it in the last 15 years of doing this, working with people that uh, know the body and know how it works, I can go through a lot of these things. And going through a problem is much better than going around a problem. Um, in my experience. So sometimes you have to go around. Sometimes it's, uh, the, the information comes back that, yep, this is a, this is a bad hip and this is how it's going to be. And this is the best it's going to be. Okay. So now how do we, how do we get past that or around that? But for the most part, I like to work through problems, especially with better players. I hope yeah. that kind of answers your question a little bit. No, it does. I mean, I think that's exactly like what we, what we see. I mean, our, our setup, we, we like to work with golf instructors as much as possible you know we don't have one in our facility at least not at the at the moment and uh um but i try to explain to players like they come in with a goal like i want to hit it farther or i want to stop slicing it and i can say well okay you've got some of these physical limitations that um that can you know that that could be affecting this but frankly i work with a lot of professional baseball players and they could do this pattern perfectly right? But they also still suck at golf and slice the ball off the planet, you know? And yeah. uh, um, there's, there's a technical aspect to it that if all we do is work on the body, um, yeah, you can do it. That's great. But we still have to address that into a, into a, um, you know, into a swing lesson and into actual swing changes to play golf. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful example. Um, when I watch I watch baseball and I don't, don't know much about that either, but when I, I like watching pitchers and I like watching quarterbacks because I feel that rotational movement for me enlightens uh, some of the movement in the golf swing and it, and it teaches me a lot about what the top athletes do to turn their body and 
produce speed. So that being said, I watch a lot of pitchers and that ball comes anywhere from right over the top of their head to right around their belt. And there's such a range of motion there. And I see it in the golf swing. There's uh, golfers that bring their hands right up over their head and there's golfers that bring it nice and flat like Kuchar. Um, There are different things to square the face in the golf swing at those two different places. So um, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, if you work on somebody, get their hands higher over their shoulders, but their grips uh, in the palm, we're going to have some trouble. Uh, You know, if we have a strong grip, we're going to want a rotational golf swing. And if we have a weaker grip or um, uh, then we're going to want it a little bit more upright and a little bit more flashy at the bottom. But um, I think you make a really good point there. It's, it's a lot like pitching. They can do the movements and then you, the nuance of it, I think is up to the coach. And um, once their body can move the best and get a lot of the obstacles out of the way, I think then it opens you up to a lot of different options of what you want to do mechanically. Yeah. You would have, uh, you would have loved it this uh, off season. We had um, a bunch of professional pitchers in working out in the facility we work in. And so, um, you know, we took some of the TPI um, stuff where they have the long drive guys throw weighted baseballs. Yeah. Um, well now with pitchers, the, the TPI guys have started having the pitchers swing um, like the super speed clubs. Yeah. So we had, we had the pro pitchers in there swinging the uh, super speed clubs the first day one of them had the light club up to like 140 miles an hour. And he's like, is that good? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a can, great start. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good start. So, <laughs> All right. So, you know, I think it's kind of clear that we both view this um, similarly, but for maybe a player that's not as familiar with, with kind of what's going on in the golf development world. So let's say, you know, an ideal world player comes to you and is really serious about improvement. You know, I, I want to actually go from a, you know, 15 down to a five or something like that. Um, what would they need to do? Like who, who needs to be involved with that? Um, what's the process look like kind of from the first time they walk into your office? Yeah. I, so that's, that's a, another really good question. So what we do is I kind of have an intake where we, again, uh, my psychology background just really wants to dig down deep. Like what's the motivator? Um, first of all, so somebody wants to go from 15 to five and they say that they have 30 minutes a week to work on it. I'm going to, pretty much tell them right away that you're, you're, it's not possible. I mean, unfortunately, I have to be pretty honest or paint a nice picture. You know, if you want to go from 15 to five, we're going to need three hours a week. And these are the three hours and how it is absolute possible, as efficient as we can get to get you where we were going. Now, of course, that has, I, I, well, I, should, I, I should say, of course, but it should always have, um, a fitness component. We have to find out how your body's moving, what the strengths are, what your weaknesses might be, or things that you have to overcome or things that you can work on. And once we find that out and get your body moving right, now we've opened up a, a palette for me to work with. So once we know that, and then, and then we just get really pragmatic. Um, I would say a bunch of our, bunch of my students that come in the first time, they have three different flexes in the bag. They have a stiff, a regular, a senior, and I'm, I'm like, this is a mess. So as much as the body can be kind of a, I don't want to say a mess, but as much as the body can be overlooked or somebody's uh, not, not doing enough stretching or stuff like that, so, so is their equipment. Their equipment can be all over the place. And then, of course, uh, 
as most instructors know, if we're mining for gold and we want to get strokes off the handicap really quick and make them happy, we go over to the short game. Yeah. Now, the thing that we found out, and I think there was just a study that came out not too long ago. Um, uh, I hate saying studies and not being able to quote it, but I read it yeah. <laughs> uh, in Golf Digest, but they did uh, a study where they actually said that doing fitness work, core work and leg work, people got better at putting. Really? And at first it doesn't make, uh, you know, right on the surface it doesn't make sense, but it does to me because after I've been doing a lot more work on my core legs and, and having the guys here at, uh, at, at Pure Fitness helping me, I've, uh, I've been able to practice longer. I've been able to stay in my posture. I've been more solid. It doesn't feel like my body's moving around as much. So on its face value, it doesn't seem like those two things are as correlated. But yeah, if you work on your legs and core, it, it looks like uh, you'll be a better putter. That's, uh, that's interesting. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to look it up. Um, there's yeah. been a couple interesting ones that's come out recently with uh, um, club head speed and driving distance. And you know, obviously we know that like, uh, on the PGA tour that the driving distance is almost linearly correlated with vertical jump height. Um, but it actually looked at, um, training programs and, you know, improving squat strength, improving, uh, bench press strength, improving just some of these kind of basic, you know, not even golf specific quote unquote workouts, um, improving the performance in those translated to, um, better club head speed and better ball speed, um, at, at impact. Yeah. So, yeah, I think to uh, kind of expound on your question or maybe actually answer it instead of drifting around like I do. Um, we, we come in, we look at a person's fitness. We, we see what um, things that they are doing in their fitness, how much fit, the time they're putting towards fitness. And we come up with a program. Um, a lot of our programs are going to be just starting to stretch probably, or just doing some kind of movements. Uh, a lot of people will come in and say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to, orange theory, uh, three times a week. Okay. But what are you doing with your golf swing? I mean, are you doing anything in a posture of a golf swing? Are you doing anything that can help your golf swing? Right. Uh, we try to educate them a little bit on that. Um, we, we definitely say, go see somebody like yourself. That's a performance, uh, PT and, and, and get some good information of what your body is actually capable of doing at this point and how it can be improved. And then um, I look at their mechanics in their, in their golf swing and I discuss with the fitness professional, this is what I see, this is how I want them to move in a perfect world, can they do it? Or how long till they can? Or yeah. can we improve this? And when, I think that that's the magic, or I shouldn't say the magic, but that's what we're seeing on the PGA Tour. These uh, professional athletes have a team and they communicate with each other. And when people can communicate and have a lot of education behind what they do. Um, I think some really cool special stuff can happen, but at least it's faster and more efficient. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what we say to people too. It's like, you know, if you invest a little bit into your body, um, it can save you a lot of time and money on the back end with, with less, <laughs> you know, like just having the pro tell you to do something that you just like, um, I get it. I'm trying yeah. to do it. I just, I can't do it, you know? Yeah, uh, make a good shoulder turn. Well, okay, well, let's figure that out first, right? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I, I had a moment, uh, I've had a guy that's worked with me now for, um, you know, I don't know, probably almost a year now, and he's he's in his 
early to mid sixties and he wants to, he's a very good player. Uh, he wants to shoot his age in his sixties. So he's kind of got the, you know, a couple more, couple more years to, to do it. And, uh, we're working on it and he's, I mean, just made huge improvements. Um, but he physically, but it wasn't translating into his golf swing. And in some ways he was almost playing a little worse because all of a sudden now he had a, he had a swing that involved no shoulder turn and, and yeah. he was great. He's a four. All of a sudden now he's hitting the ball farther and he's turning his shoulders, but he's fat, thin, having contact issues. Um, and it was like one lesson, uh, you know, even though we knew everything, we knew what he was doing, you know, one lesson, like brought it all together, went down to a trip to Florida and it was like, I've never hit the ball that well. Um, you know, just, it was like the process, you know, to a T of he's kind of done everything on the front end and it just took, just took like bringing it together and into the golf swing to, to make it stick. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. That's, that's absolutely what, what we're looking for to help every golfer with for sure. Um, and I, I think you hit it right on the head there. If you're a 20 handicap and you're working on your body and your golf swing, I think this is a really good anecdote and it's not, it's a story that's pretty common. Even the best players, once they find some more movement or some different strength are going to have to find the ball again and finding the ball for a good player does not take as long as it does for a player that doesn't have as much experience. So there is a little, you know, they say you're going to get worse before you get better. I I don't like to say that. I think your body's going to get better and then you're going to find the ball again. That's how I like to look at it. Um, if you don't have a ton of experience finding the ball and your hand-eye coordination needs a lot more work than maybe somebody that's a lot better, then it might take a little longer, but your body's going to feel better. And at the end, your result is going to be so much better. Yeah. So I think that's a really good thing to remind people for sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. This is a little off topic, but you brought it up in your answer on the front end. Um, I think one of the things that I hear a lot is like, uh, with equipment, people don't really understand what a difference it makes. And yeah. especially I hear so much people come into my office and it's like, well, uh, I'll ask them that question. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough to, uh, for the equipment to matter. Um, it, it drives me, it drives yeah. me wild, but I'd be curious to get your, uh, your, your take on that. Well, I think it, uh, you'll be somewhat surprised because I mean, I believe that, and I've been in equipment for a very, very long time. I started in equipment selling uh, golf clubs. I'm kind of a, a techie when it comes to uh, shafts and equipment. I'm a deep diver into all the stuff. And at the end of the day, after teaching all this stuff, if the weight of the clubs are consistent and they match you, you're going to play pretty well. Yeah. And I know, so there's a lot of places out there. We do a lot of stuff, spin rates, launch. Um, we try to figure out um, exactly how the club's being delivered to the ball, whether the angle of attack is the proper way, how much spin loft you're going to get. All these really big numbers that we start working with. I want people to realize that these are microscopes, right? So the track man is a microscope. The difference between 500 revs on your driver, you may never see on the course. And I know there's going to be people that disagree with me a hundred percent. I don't care what it's, I, you're just not going to see that difference unless you're the super highest 
athlete at the top of their game that's hit a million golf balls and that you expect to see a perfect window, you will maybe notice that. But these are microscopes. That being said, yes, a fitting is so important. And the weight of your clubs, in my opinion, over time has had more to do with anything that in my fittings and in my teaching uh, than anything for equipment. I can literally take a 90 gram shaft in a seven iron and put it to a 120 gram shaft and I can show you in the swing how it's changed the swing. Yeah. I can show you on video. So yes, it makes a big difference. What I would say is if you're debating between a 1.7 torque and a 1.9 torque, I think uh, you're getting a little deep in the weeds. But uh, if you want to just match up your set, please just have them. And different regular flexes are different regular flexes. And how the weights should be slowly uh, go up, weights should go up from your driver. Your driver, let's say it's a 60 gram, then your three wood's gonna be around a 70 gram. If you can match all this up, then I think you at least give yourself the chance to make consistent swings with your equipment. So I hope that helps. In lie angle, obviously. So lie angle really helps us tweak your ball flight a little bit. So uh, a lot of people really feel that um, the lie angle has to be absolutely perfect, you know, sole the club perfectly. And that is probably a best case scenario. But we also use upright and flat to tweak ball flight. A lot of the best players in the world play flatter clubs so that they don't hook the ball. Uh, as much because they really release the club a lot. Yeah. So this is something we could probably get into the weeds a little bit, yeah. but I think I agree a hundred percent. Let's just at least get the equipment so that it's not getting in your way. Yeah. That's, at the end uh, of the day. I think that's, that's great advice. Um, all right. So we, uh, we also like to kind of tackle some like myths or misconceptions, misconceptions on this podcast. Um, I see an infinite number of golf myths or uh, golf instruction myths with, uh, you know, on the driving range every day with, uh, with people teaching. Um, what's a, what's like something very common that you hear somebody come in with um, when it comes to the golf swing or golf instruction that you, uh, you spend a lot of time kind of educating people on? Keep your head down. Uh, that's probably the worst uh, advice that I've ever heard. Um, while it may stay steady when we look at video, um, we, we don't want to have that thought in our head of, of anything tensing or keeping yourself in that posture. Um, if we really, really look at it and I'll be kind of stepping into your area a little bit, but, um, we load up the right leg, like we're about to push off of it. And then we actually lengthen the left side of the body pretty hard in the modern golf swing. So if you feel like you're keeping your head down, I think most of the time with most players, it's going to inhibit how they turn through the ball. It's going to freeze them into that impact where the hips start to come in and we flip the hands at, at impact. So I tell my people a lot of times I'll be telling them, okay, we're going to bend into your, We're going to turn into your right leg. We're going to push off and we're going to stand as tall as we can, as fast as we can. And now we see some body turn. And yeah. I think um, there's, a, there's a lot of instruction out there that there's some uh, argument of whether people should be talking about body turn and this and that. I, I, I personally believe that a lot of it has to do with their leg work and how they're using ground forces. Um, there's not a sport I've played where I throw something or I try to do something rotationally where I don't feel like I'm pushing off the ground. 
So I think golf shouldn't be any different than that. I mean, that's what helps us turn through the shot. So keeping your head down, terrible advice. I think that's yeah. my, my I, two uh, cents. I, uh, I, that's, that's one of my, it's one of my favorites too. Um, especially, especially when a player like comes in and they, they can't even, you know, turn their chin, uh, you know, halfway to the collarbone <laughs> and they're trying to keep their head down. I'm like, we're going to have some issues. It's going to be a right. very backswing, uh, you know, chip everything. There's a good chance, and I don't know this for a fact, but there's a good chance that David Duvall and Annika Sorenstam, well, there's some, they both achieved best player status, and Annika could be the best uh, player ever, golfer ever. Um, they look through the shot. There has to, there must, I don't know if there was in, uh, some something holding them back but if you watch them their head turns with their shoulders through the shot there's no keeping the head right there or anything it is floating with the body completely now that's an extreme case and we could find extreme cases everywhere but i just wanted to say that there's probably some restriction there that they were able to overcome by just turning through the shot yeah no it's uh it's uh it's good to know um what's uh what's something that you wish more players would want to work on um you know, I feel like now everybody wants to hit it, you know, farther, but uh, what's something that people don't, don't really want to want to work on as much? Three foot putts. I mean, it's, it's really simple. I, if, if you practice a hundred three foot putts a week, you're going to be a better golfer because yeah. you've basically created a six foot wide circle around the hole that all you have to do is lag putt to or chip to. And now you've actually practiced that three foot putt. Um, it can't make you any worse. That's for sure. Um, I'm, I'm a really, so when I work with, uh, our competitive golfers, I, that's, that's the free throw of golf. You just have to practice three foot, four foot, five foot putts and just become super solid. And that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, that's what can give you the big, it, 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 it loosens up the, uh, the chipping you can uh start to hit the circle with the chipping your sand game starts to get freed up your 50 60 70 yard shots get freed up if you can just make those short putts that's good i uh just ordered a new putting mat to uh survive the <laughs> quarantine so i'll uh i'll yeah, that's spend right. a couple couple uh weeks down in the basement working on that so perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, all right changing the the subject definitely from three foot putt so um distance debate is uh currently you know raging with uh how far the golf ball is going and um the technology the fitness levels the launch monitors optimizing launch conditions um and whether it's good for the whether it's good for the game um i'd be curious to see what you think about it what you think is gonna you know potentially end up happening with it and uh um you know if you have any other thoughts surrounding that yeah i so half of me uh a good portion. I mean, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And the reason, uh, and I, and I feel really bad for golf courses that are getting, um, a little less, uh, important, but every sport has raised its level of, of athleticism, uh, and it gets more exciting and it gets better over time. Uh, whether you look at skiing, snowboarding, uh, as the athletes get better, they do more and more crazy tricks. They get stronger and they, they push into the limits. And I think that's what we're seeing with golf. Now, that being said, the other half of me would really like to at least put a governor on the ball. Um, let's, you know, you can get stronger and you can hit it harder. And, uh, well, I, 
probably just pull back on the equipment a little bit. Um, it's going just a little bit too far. I've, I do feel, but, um, I really do like the interest. A lot of the younger athletes that come in now are not just trying to hit nice little shots. They're, they're trying to be athletes and they're trying to hit the ball hard. And I, I kind of like that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, mean, I think that part of the problem might end up being that the, the pro game has one problem with it going yeah. too far, but I mean, most amateurs, I mean, the game's hard enough. Yes. <laughs> it, it is that if they can get it a little closer to the hole, uh, it, you know, I don't think it's a, a bad thing. Not at all. And, and that's why I think it, it goes in nicely with each other. If, if they see that people are swinging harder and they're hitting it further then maybe they do uh, do some more exercise and get moving a little bit more. I think it's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Well, we uh, like to finish this with a kind of a fun uh, lightning round uh, just to uh, learn a little bit more about you and, and uh, um, kind of let the listeners learn a little bit more about you. So What's the, uh, what's the best course that you've played? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've played a lot over the years. Um, I would say Royal County Down was a real special place. Um, and Oakmont was, uh, those are two of the ones that really stood out to me as being uh, two of my favorites, for sure. Awesome. Um, if you had to play one course every day for the rest of your life, what, uh, what, would, you, what would you play? Oh wow! Uh, this is going to sound like a, a a little bit of a cop out, but it's it's not, and I think it goes back to what we we're saying, like what motivates a golfer, right? Yeah. Um, if I'm with friends, it makes no difference what the course is. That it wouldn't be one course; it would just be, can I play with my friends? I don't care what the course is. Um, that's my motivation. It's golf is very very social for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It used to be competitive. Well, yeah. maybe I wasn't that competitive, but uh, <laughs> I would say that now it's very social. And if I'm with my friends, it really doesn't matter uh, what course that is. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. Um, for a recreational player um, that's kind of working on their game, what's a bigger golf goal? Uh, single digit handicap or breaking 80? Yeah, that's so I think it, again, it speaks to the motivation a little bit. So single digit handicap, uh, somebody that tells me that tells me that they're in for the long haul. Uh, they have a, a larger goal. They want to make their game solid and they want to get to that place. Breaking 80, I think is great. Um, a lot of, it depends on what course you play and it depends yeah. on the day you have. So breaking 80 is really cool. I think it's a great stepping stone to motivate you to show you, uh, that there's more out there, more potential for you. Um, uh, but if somebody does tell me, uh, that they want to be a single digit handicap that tells me that that's they're willing to put in a lot more work and a lot more time. That's awesome. All right. Well, Andy, I really appreciate your time today. It was a great conversation. Um, and I hope some of the Milwaukee area golfers are able to take a lot away from this interview. Um, where can the listeners learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, forgegolfandfitness.com. Uh, you can look up andyfishgolf.com uh, takes you to the same place. Uh, and all my contact information's on there. And if you, have anything to say or any questions, please, uh, please send them to me. And thank you very much. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, Andy. And thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast like, follow, 
or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.